Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine for a minute that someone you trust deeply has betrayed you. The details of the betrayal itself perhaps aren't all that important. Perhaps you told something to someone in confidence, and then that person went and shared it with someone else. Or maybe you had someone who pretended to be a supporter of you, but it turns out they were manipulating you for personal gain. Perhaps when I asked you to imagine a scenario, it wasn't so hard for you to do so. Maybe you've actually lived that scenario. It's something that perhaps you still feel. It hurts deeply. It did at the time, and even today it might still sting a little bit. Today's theme is betrayal. It's a transgression that we experience as especially painful and damaging precisely because we don't see it coming. If we're in a battle, we can anticipate an attack from the enemy in front of us. We don't anticipate the stab in the back that comes from the person that is supposed to care for us, the person who's supposed to be counted on. Probably the most famous betrayal in history is the betrayal of Jesus by his close disciple, Judas Iscariot. Because Judas's betrayal is so historic and so famous, we might be tempted to believe that it is completely foreign to our experience, that it is something completely out of the realm of possibility for us. How could anyone, after all, betray Jesus? Someone so universally good and loving. You'd have to be really evil to do something like that, we'd say. How could anyone, much less a close follower of Jesus, sabotage the cause of Jesus for the sake of personal gain, comfort, or pleasure? How indeed. But before we talk about our own tendency toward treachery, I want to take you back in time to the Old Testament, about a thousand years before Jesus' birth. It comes to us in our reading today from 2 Samuel. We hear of a plot being hatched by one of David's sons, along with one of David's trusted advisors. At this point in the story, the family life of David has become essentially an utter mess. It really began with uh, David's adulterous affair with Bathsheba, and from that moment on, you get all sorts of messed up, sinful things going on that threatens to tear the family apart, including even such serious sins as sexual assault and murder. The apex of the family drama arrives with David's son Absalom seeking to overthrow his father's reign. To help him achieve this purpose, Absalom enlists the aid of Ahithophel, a man who had been one of David's most trusted advisors. 
Ahithophel betrays his allegiance to King David in order to earn the favor of the one he assumes is going to be taking the throne soon. He suggests that Absalom send him out with 12,000 men right away to hunt down David while he is still worn out from fleeing. The Bible says that this was good advice. That probably would have worked. But God was not done with David. So he allows the plan to be thwarted through the work of a spy that David had planted named Hushai. Hushai pretends to be a trustworthy advisor to Absalom and counteracts the advice of Ahithophel, telling Absalom that what he really needed to do was wait and gather an even bigger army and then go fight against David. That delay allows David and his men to prepare. And God grants David's side the victory. Absalom ends up dying in the battle, and Ahithophel, we're told, commits suicide. We don't know when David penned Psalm 41, the psalm that we spoke together earlier this day. But it almost seems certain that he wrote it in relation to this event of his betrayal at the hands of his own son, at the hands of his trusted advisor, Ahithophel. Jesus will quote this psalm as well. In John chapter 13, recognizing what Judas was about to do to him, one who has shared my bread has now lifted up his heel against me. Ahithophel's actions were an attempt to overthrow and replace the rightful king. Judas would hand over the rightful king of the world to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. But before we pass self-righteous condemnation on these two guilty fellows, it's time to turn the mirror back on us for a moment. Because how often, in ways big and small, have we attempted to replace the rightful king on the throne of our lives as well, with another, namely, ourselves? We have been called to follow closely after Jesus, to know him, to experience his love. And yet, on a daily basis, we betray that calling by being more concerned with our comfort and well-being than with the glory of Jesus' name or with the need of our neighbor. Like Hithophel or Judas, we know a thing or two about being opportunists, living faithfully when it's in our best interests or turning and hiding our faith when we think that that might make things go better for us. Love looks out for the good of others. But too often, Matt looks out for what's good for me first. We're all capable of such sleaziness. And far too often, we're guilty of it too. But there is good news for us tonight. Let's go back to John chapter 18 for a moment. The good news that we see in this account is that Judas' betrayal is not a surprise to Jesus. 
It's not new news for him. He saw it coming. By the way, he experienced betrayal countless times before. After all, he is the God of Israel. How many times did the Old Testament people betray their God? Countless times. And he'll see betrayal again. After all, he's our king to, our, to this present day, and he knows exactly what we're capable of. And yet, in love, he knowingly and willingly steps into the trap that Judas has set. Because he has already determined that it's going to serve his greater purpose. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is in no danger from Judas. You see that in his interaction with the crowd in the garden. You remember this interaction? Whom do you seek? They say, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus responds, I am he. Literally in the Greek, I am. The crowd falls back in fear. We're given a glimpse of what's really happening here. This is God in the flesh, the I am. And no one's going to take him unless he allows it to happen. Judas' betrayal, as real and as sinfully messed up as it was, would be redeemed and used for God's purposes. And the great news for us today is that Jesus is able to do the very same things in our lives. As you've heard this message, perhaps you've been forced to remember an action of which you are ashamed. A 21st century betrayal of Jesus that you would love to take back if you had the chance. A misrepresentation of his truth, suppressing love, that you were meant to share in his name for the good of somebody else? A moment where you cared more about yourself and about your needs than about the people who were right in front of you? The people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people who live in your house? You might be tempted to believe that you've blown it forever, that nothing could redeem the sin that you've committed. That was ultimately Judas's downfall. Not just that he betrayed Jesus, but afterward that he believed that there was no hope. There was no forgiveness, no place in the family for him anymore. But that idea that there was no hope for Judas was a bold-faced lie. And if you're believing a similar thing today, you too are believing a lie. Because the truth is that Jesus came for traitors. That Jesus loves even traitors. At the cross, Jesus died for traitors. Jesus forgives traitors. And he desires to reconcile traitors to the God whom they've betrayed. Return, he says. Don't despair. You may have acted faithlessly, but I won't. It's not in my nature. My love for you is the same on your best days and on your most shameful of days. What a strange, amazing Savior we have. What undeserved kindness and love. 
And because of his amazing love demonstrated for sinners through death and resurrection, we now have a new identity. Almighty God does not see you as a traitor. He counts you as a son, a daughter. He freely receives and accepts you for Jesus' sake. And he gives you his Holy Spirit who empowers that work of God to return to him that work that we've been talking about these last few weeks. The Spirit works in your life so that Jesus might be honored in your life as the Savior and King that he is. No more dethroning him so you can put yourself in his place. He's a much better king than you are. As the Spirit shows us Jesus more and more, through the word that we share in a moment like this, as we gather and receive him today at his table, as we encourage one another in our life together as the body of Christ, in those moments where he shows himself faithful to meet your need, as we come to know this Jesus, we ourselves are transformed. The traitors become the ambassadors And the people around us begin to receive God's blessings through us. Our lives become a picture of what God does all the time through His Son. Meeting big sins with His even bigger forgiving grace. In Jesus, there's hope for all, including the traitors. So don't despair. Believe that what Jesus accomplished at the cross, he accomplished for you. Return and be reconciled to the Savior. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds today and always. In Christ Jesus, our reconciling King. Amen.